in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Hey guys, this is Archie Mason. I'm the host of That Farm Life podcast. So thank you for joining us today. We are always here to share the stories of those involved in agriculture, whether if it's farming or providing uh, some input or being ag pilots. In fact, we are in a series that is in regard to ag pilots. So it's been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to what Mr. Marshall Morrison is going to share with us today. Hey, Mr. Marshall, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. I know we had to hear at the recording of this here in Arkansas, we've got a brief rain shower. So you were able to uh, leave the strip and come back to the house and, and get on Wi-Fi. Yeah. So, you know, hey, is is in agriculture, especially this time of year, we got to work around everybody's schedule. So, again, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. Hey, I know there's been a lot of planes that have been flying here uh, lately, you and I live close to one another, but I've seen a lot of planes. So what are most people, what are most pilots putting out right now? What what are they flying? Uh, over where I'm at, we're working rice herbicide, uh, some fertilizer going out. I personally am not doing a lot of flying anymore. I do have a young guy. I've mentored a couple of guys the last few years with a small airplane I still have. And uh, I have flown some this year, but not a lot myself personally, maybe, maybe 50 hours all told. Yeah. Uh, I went out a uh, week before last to Kansas. I had a friend from Nebraska that was and flew a new AT502 XP, a high performance 502. The owner was so snowed under with work, he needed someone to come set in his airplane and uh, get some wheat sprayed with it. So I went out there, had a lot of fun in a, in a new airplane and helped out some buddies. Uh, just a, a beautiful wheat crop this year in Kansas. We've got a good rice crop started. And I, I'll, I told the guys in Kansas, uh, the wheat crop I'm seeing here is proof to me that God still loves America and he's still <laughs> blessing us in a big way. Amen. And our rice crop looks the same way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does look good around here. Hey, when you were talking, you said, I went out to Kansas and had some fun. You know, you uh, you love what uh, what you get to do, don't you? I do. I do. It's uh, it. It uh, it's addictive, I guess. Just to, or I don't know about that. It's just a lot of fun. The thing about going out where I went, it was just they gave me maps, and you know, I go spray the fields they request, and all the pressure's off of me. I'm just the pilot, no longer having to manage and order chemical and keep up with everything going on. So it's really a treat to go do something like that for somebody. Oh yeah. So uh, them relief, and and then also just an easy. Uh, easy job compared to what most of my career was. Yeah. Hey, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit how about your career. How long have you been flying? And, uh, you know, cause you said you kind of, you got some other guys, you kind of mentored, you coached them, kind of training them up. So how long, how long have you been in the, in the flying business? I graduated from uh, the army, uh, aviation school in maintenance, Fort Rucker, Alabama in April of 1970. 
went to Vietnam, went into a maintenance hangar. They asked for volunteers to fly crew chief on a loach. So I volunteered for that position as a, a left seat crew chief on a scout helicopter and uh, then got promoted to buck sergeant, was platoon leader of a small platoon of, of uh, about seven scout helicopters most of the time. And uh, so I got my start there. Then when I got home, I had the GI Bill and I got all my ratings uh, uh, to do what I do. Got uh, everything really to go all the way through to be an airline pilot if I wanted to and kind of took the interview for airline pilot when when I was about 30 with three little knee high kids around me and then just decided to stick with what I was doing. I already had my own business going by then. And so I stayed where I was. And uh, so really, really from the very beginning, uh, 20 April of 2020 was 50 years. Oh, wow. uh, Wow. This is 51 years. Now there was a few years after the army of college and flight training that, you know, uh, flying, uh, flying, uh, trainer airplanes and stuff. And then about 1976, I got started in the ag flying released from the army in April of 1972 and then didn't finish college, but did finish my flight training and the old world war two vets I was working with back then wanted to know why I was wasting my time going and listening to college professors. <laughs> and so I just, I, I took their advice and just kept on crop dusting. Hey, well, you mentioned something. I want to come back to your your military work and serving our country. And but you mentioned that you had three little knee high kids. Is that what you said? When uh, like at age thirty or something? So tell us a little bit about your family. Uh, yeah, I'm married to uh, my wife Kathy. Uh, we have three daughters. We got married in 1982. I've got six grandkids, five little girls and a little boy. It's been a good ride. The best part of my life has sure been being married, keeping in the faith, trusting the Lord, uh, you know, just moving forward with kids and grandkids. And it only gets better as I go. So, Man. hey, that that is good. I know Angie and I, we, we've got three grand boys and we got one on the way. So you're right. They, they're what I call, they're the bomb. That, that is, uh, yes. and I'm a lot better uh, grandparent. Than I was a daddy. I, I can tell you that too. I may, I may be in that same category. <laughs> hey, anyway, let, yeah, married, married life has been good. Oh it's, yeah. Yeah. And I, I know you'd agree with me. We both outmarried ourselves too. So <laughs> yep, I did. That's exactly right. Hey, so let's go back to your military service. Uh, and so you were serving, so you started out in a, in the scout helicopters. Okay. So what was that like when, when you were in the military and there in Vietnam, what was that like to be a part of that on a scout helicopter? We just had, we, the first assignment I had with the 101st airborne division up near way city or way Vietnam, we had, there was a couple of big base camps that I think were originally Marine Corps base camps up there. And the 101st took over the one just Southwest of way. Well, the 101st also had the one before I got through just northwest of Way also. It was the first CAV. The first CAV moved to uh, Way down near Saigon. I got an in-country transfer to the first CAV. The second assignment was Delta Troop 229th Air CAV flying out of Benoit. Uh, And uh, it just, you know, you had a certain number of missions to accomplish each day. You'd go do those missions. one of the tough duties at a big base camp was uh, perimeter defense. So 
you know, you, you might fly all day or do a few missions or whatever, but you still about every other night you were on all night perimeter defense and, uh, you could get pretty sleepy. Uh, a local officer of the guard come by one night and I don't, I don't know if I ought to say that exactly the way it happened, but, uh, he told everybody to wake up something had just happened a few bunkers down from us. And so that it got everybody's attention. Yes, sir. And he actually he was the first officer I flew with in Vietnam. I was 18 years old. I wasn't platoon leader yet, but we go out on this mission. He clicks the mic and says, where are you from? I said, Jonesboro, Arkansas. And he said, me too. So Doug Scott, I'm thinking he's still around Jonesboro. He retired from a company here in Jonesboro. And that was kind of neat that, uh, uh, well, he originally from Malvern, but he came to ASU. And so the very first mission I had was with a guy from my hometown. Wow. Hey, and Mr. Marshall, I want to tell you, I, I, I know I speak on behalf of our audience, of all the folks who are listening to the podcast. And so uh, this is being released. This podcast is on Monday, which is Memorial Day here in the good old USA. And we want to say thank you for your service. Uh, to our country. Thank you for putting your life uh, out there uh, for us and uh, for uh, protecting us. And and I know you too would just say to all the veterans that are out there, I know it's Memorial Day. We remember those who have fallen uh, in the wars that have been fought. But to all of our veterans, we just want to say thank you for your service to men and women uh, who are active and non-active in their duty. So thank you for what you did for our country. Yes, Yes, sir. sir. Hey, you said too. You mentioned this. You said now you came out, and so you were with some World War II uh, veterans. That they what they said. Why? Why do you want to go to college? Why don't you just you know start flying? Is that kind of what gave you that motivation to go go? No, I actually wanted to be a crop duster before I went in the army, and I used the army route to come up with the money to get the flight training, and uh, uh, you know there was a lot of it around. I grew up on the ridge, but south of Valley View on the ridge, a lot of crop dust and even back then. So I saw it a lot. I had an older brother-in-law that got into it also. And uh, it's just something I wanted to do as a kid. And I told uh, one of the, one of the pilots I flew with right outside Quantree, Vietnam, we had a mission up to Quantree one day, told him what I wanted to do. So my first crop dust in school was in a loach over rice fields right outside Quantree. <laughs> the, uh, the young guy from Texas, you know, just a bunch of kids. I look back at all that and I think, you know, I was 18 when I was promoted to buck sergeant, turned 19 in country, uh, actually come home at 19. And, uh, you know, I look at what we did and what we accomplished at that age. And uh, it's miraculous that, that it's just, I don't know, we're just blessed in this country that a bunch of boys that age go accomplish what they accomplish and do it with the degree of safety that we did do it with. Although, it was a little worse back then as far as casualty rates and things than it is nowadays. It still is an amazing feat that young men that age go do what they do and, and get the job done. Yeah. Just a, a blessing. And, and probably too, I mean, you, you matured it, it, it grows you up fast when you're in conflict and I, what you're doing. I've you tried to get over some of that maturity since then. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, tell us, uh, I know every ag pilot has a good story, something maybe that you can share. Uh, what's something that comes to mind? I know I, I've heard something in the past about maybe you landing in a driveway or something. I mean, I was in Tennessee and really kind of pushing things, fertilizing timber over in middle Tennessee that we'd call them mountains here in Arkansas. 
And, uh, so I kept pushing and pushing and, uh, it was working out, working off of a real short strip. So I didn't want a whole lot of fuel on board. And what I'd done had been working, but the field went from being a large area to get rid of a lot of fertilizer quickly to a lot of fingers. And why I didn't just dump the load and go back, I don't know, but I kept trying to do a good job of using up the company's fertilizer. And uh, I got the fertilizer out, turned for a little mountaintop or plateau top strip that was about three tenths long. And right over the waterfall on Waterfall Creek Road, down between two mountains, the engine quit. And so I'm out of fuel and uh, looking at the terrain below me, I was kind of out of luck in every direction. And uh, before I continue this, I'll just say I give the Lord credit for this working out and me just sitting there wondering how it did work out in the end. But so I ran out of fuel going to the northeast. I turned back south to line up with the valley that I was over. And this creek from the waterfall ran down a gravel road. And that was the only thing in there, just a mountain coming down from both ways, pretty tight little valley and houses down that creek. I didn't want to hit a house. So I went to about 52 miles per hour in a 502 empty and out of fuel with the prop feathered because it was out of fuel. They'd become a pretty good glider. And at a, at a point there, after I looked the situation over and seeing I could make the last house, I didn't want to hit a house. So I wanted to glide beyond the houses and I made that the power line coming down the creek all the way down through there and didn't see it until the last minute. But the power line at the last house turned and went down their driveway. And uh, I couldn't quite make it over it. So I tucked under that power line. And uh, then they had a steel bird pole in their front yard. I still didn't want to hit the house. If I had hit the bird pole, it could have pulled me over into their house. Probably not, but it could have. So I yanked back on the airplane, took that wing up, went back down, planted it in their yard, locked the brakes up, headed for the mountain to my right, went through their fence, centered a bush, locked another brake up, turned back towards the creek because I was about to hit the mountain on the right. I aimed for the creek, which was on the left centered another bush, took some more energy out of it and really was thinking, Ooh, this may hurt because I was headed for the trees in the Creek. And right before I got there, I hit a bog, a wet hole. It was just like a carrier landing. The airplane just come to a stop. And so it was aimed right at the Creek between two mountains and looked like I had come down in there and landed in about 150 feet from the top of a mountain. And the whole community was really glad I'd done it because everyone come out there, all the EMS, all the state troopers, the whole town came out to celebrate with me. <laughs> and so that was kind of one of the wildest rides I've had that worked, that turned out pretty good. The guy that lived in that last house come walking up to the airplane and I was sitting there with my head down and, uh, I'd just go ahead and tell it. I didn't get the, the emergency procedure and something like that would have been fuel off, but there was absolutely zero fuel left. When I landed, the air conditioner and stuff was still running. I turned the switches all off and laid my hands back in my lap and just had my head down. And I heard something to the left and the guy was walking up. And so I'm just sitting there in the seat and it was not hurt at all. And uh, he said, he thought maybe I'd got whiplashed in the wheat belts. And he said to me, are you dead? <laughs> <laughs> I, I raised my head up. It kind of startled him. I said, no, I'm okay. And 
So I unbuckled and it just, it is a miracle. You know, the Lord had that all planned out with a mud hole and all for it to work out like it did. Now we had to disassemble the airplane, and get it out of there, do a little work on it after that. But, uh, it didn't total the airplane and didn't hurt me. So I've got the video saved of the track on GPS of that. And it shows exactly what I'm describing. I had about all told from coming under that wire to where I wound up about, about 450 feet to yank up over that pole, miss their house, slide through their yard and head towards the Creek. And it all just worked out as good as no reverse because of the propeller being in feather. And if the mud hole hadn't have been there, it would have hurt a little, it'd hurt a few more things than it did. So the Lord just, he's watched over me my whole career. Hey, and, uh, he has no what, I've been, what I've been doing. Uh, he had a purpose for me moving forward. And when I was single, I didn't, I'm, I see it more all the time now. And now, you know, although I'm, I'm confident in where I'm going when this life is over, I want to hang around with my grandkids and kids as long as I can. And, uh, it's, no, I understand. Hey, and you're right. I mean, you're giving the Lord, uh, the glory, uh, for, I mean, what he's done. And that's just very evident, you know, in any, in any career in life, uh, man, as a believer in Jesus, our faith, and it's not a wishful thinking, you know, it's based upon the finished work of Christ on the cross. And it's knowing that, Hey, he has us and he holds us. And at any time, you know, the, as the Bible tells us to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, you know, for a believer. So I just like, Amen. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm very visual. So I, you telling the story, I could see it's almost like an obstacle course and you came in and uh, I bet the guy who asked you if you were dead, uh, it's probably very grateful that you missed his house, you know, uh, for that. <laughs> he was, yeah. yeah. There was no big issue with any of that. I called the uh, Fizdo in Memphis. It was their district, not Little Rock. So I called them and I told them exactly what happened. And for all you ag pilots out there, when I told them that I was an ag pilot that admitted running out of fuel, what they said was, you mean you're an ag pilot and you're going to admit that you ran the airplane out of fuel. I said, yes, sir. That's what happened. So they designated me to be the investigator for the accident. <laughs> I sent me their report to fill out. I filled out their report and sent it back to them. So I don't yeah. know if there's any truth. in it. it sounded like maybe some ag pilots that run out of fuel don't tell it exactly the way it is. Mr. Marshall, what is some advice that you would have for a man or a woman who wants to become an ag pilot? What would you tell them? Uh, find find an operator willing to work with you and uh, find a mentor and uh, get in there and work on the ground. I've got a young Air Force pilot uh, um, working for me now. He was a B-1 bomber pilot uh, out of UAE and Afghanistan and Iraq, and he just don't want to go the airline route or the FedEx route or the freight route, whatever. He wants a, He wants a career in agriculture, and so he's there with me. He worked last summer mostly on the ground a little bit. And now he's off active duty. He's in the air guard flying C-130s out of Little Rock. And he's now flying a little spray plane we have. We've got enough work to get him trained and uh, get him going. So that's, there's been other people I've worked with and uh, helped get into the business through the years. And uh, so, you know, uh, just try to find somebody to work with and uh, that willing to work with you and be patient with getting you trained and started. And they're, they're out there. It's, it's maybe a little difficult to find, but there are people I'm about at the end of the road. I'll be 69, my birthday this year. 
So, and I don't know how many more years I may have, but there are other operators out there will help young guys get started that are qualified to do it. Yeah, that's good. Hey, and that's good advice. Mr. Marshall, thank you for uh, sharing your story today. Um, you know, and, and, uh, again, I want to say thank you for your service in the military and, uh, you know, serving our country. And just like you said, the young man who also served in our military is, you know, uh, working out there with you now. So again, to all the vets out there who are listening, thank you, uh, for, uh, your service. Hey, you know, what we see here at AgriHealth Network is it, it does take a lot of different people, a lot of different jobs in the ag community to, uh, uh, to get the job done. And so here at AgriHealth Network, we desire to provide any resources to help people. There's a lot of stress and strain in farming that's taking place out there. And so uh, you can check us out at our website at agrihealth.net. You can email us at info at agrihealth.net. If you've got any questions or, you know, maybe you have a friend or family member that may be suffering from some of the signs of stress. And again, we have that on our website. We also have some counseling services that we recommend in different states there uh, on our website also. So wherever you are, whatever state you're from, we have a lot of people listening to us from all over the nation. Uh, again, we're here to help uh, any way we can. So please just reach out to us. Hey, if you like the podcast, help us get the word out. Uh, you can always subscribe. You can also review. Let us know uh, what you think about the podcast. Uh, we are also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So again, check us out. Hey, till next week, keep farming and keep the faith. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.